Honda CRZ Sport Hybrid. Everything a hybrid is and isn't. Introducing the Sport Hybrid. Hybrids are all the rage. Efficiency is more important now than ever. But at Honda, we weren't about to turn our back on hairpin turns and manual gearboxes. So we designed a hybrid that defies logic and embraces the pure driving experience most hybrids ignore. The result is certainly a hybrid, but also something else altogether. For more, visit cr-z.honda.com. EX model shown with accessory wheels. 2011 American Honda Motor Company Incorporated. Dear listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. I will take it. I will take the random to banter. Though, I do not know the way. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia. Today. L-O-T-R-T-F-O-T-R. <laughs> yes, you have my pot <laughs> and you have my microphone. You shall not banter. Yep, it is the assembling of the Fellowship of the Ring. Why would I pick such a thing? This is the worst Fellowship of the Ring ever. This is the worst group of ring bearers. This is like getting Sauron and his amazing friends together. <laughs> yes, it really is because they are gathering to throw the, the one reed into the fires of Mount Doom. <laughs> the real reed, not the fake reeds, which there are many fake reeds. <laughs> so I want to start off by saying because if anybody's new to the show they may be like what the heck are you guys doing at the beginning of the show and it's time and it's we haven't talked about it in a long time we always take an ad from the book and we put that in front of the show as a bumper just something to get us in the mood and yes there's a lot of car ads in comic books for kids mm-hmm. which don't get that at all don't get that yeah. was i just wanted to bring that up really quickly it date stamps it because sometimes it's video games or movies or a candy or cereal that doesn't exist anymore. And it's also a little bit of nostalgia where you go, oh, hey, I remember when Banjo-Kazooie came out. Oh, wow. And it gets you it gets you into the mindset of the era of when the comic was. Yeah. Or it's got men's jockey shorts. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, we are recording this on a Thursday, which doesn't mean anything to anybody who's listening to this because we always put this out on Sundays, three or four weeks down the line after we do the recording. So, the fact that we we're recording a day late doesn't mean anything to anybody. But uh, I had to take an extra day because last night we had to <laughs> we had to euthanize our cat of 18 years. This is the oldest cat that we've owned, and it was hard. <laughs> it was very very mm-hmm. hard. So yeah, uh, this is a cat that was gifted to us by a friend of ours. Uh, they had a few cats at their house, and the stray cat came up to their house and just plastered herself on the screen door and they said well, we can't take another cat at this time kind of acts like a toby and that was kind of a little inside <laughs> joke for me and my friends and we knew what it meant like oh it's a special cat <laughs> but we took it in and my wife and i had that cat for six years before my daughter was born and by that time we had two other cats as well and this was our house of three cats is now down to two 
It's a lot quieter. Oh, yeah. Well, it's quieter. Toby, now, Toby used to be quiet. Uh, she did develop her own voice in uh, the past couple of years as she got older. In the middle of the night, she either forgot where we were or just was in pain or just wanted to annoy us at two o'clock in the morning. And she would start yowling in the hallway for attention. Mm. But she also liked to walk around with her claws out on hardwood floors, which meant that we always knew where she was. That walking especially, I, 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 I'm I missing that. It was very, very quiet in the house last night. So, yeah, the past couple of days have been kind of rough, kind yeah. of rough on me. It's a pet. It's not because it becomes more than a pet. It's a member of the family. It's a member of the household. It's like I was reading something recently where a kid was talking to their parents and going, hey, can we get a pet? And they're like, what about our dog? That's mm-hmm. a pet. And like the kid's mind was blown because it was like, the dog is a pet. It's not just a furry four footed human that lives with us. That's a pet. You get used to them and their mannerisms and everything. I know over the past five, six years, we've gone from a three-cat household to a two-cat household to we're a one-cat household now, and it's working towards zero. So, yeah. Yeah. I went upstairs, and our second oldest cat, now our oldest cat, Bert, he's suffering his own grief, and he's not acting like himself because him and Toby were very close. Mm -hmm. The third cat was not as close with Toby, and she's actually kind of like, yes, I have freedom of the house. Yeah, I don't have to deal with that anymore. It is funny how the pets interact as well with that, because I've seen animals grieve. Yeah. Our current cat kind of was a big jerk about our other cat, who was actually younger and had a bunch of cancers and stuff, and it was just like, well, current cat, you're treating the cat we like more like a jerk, and then the cat got really sick, and it was just like... Herbie didn't seem to care that that Bowie died. It was like, you heartless bugger. So, but yeah. I think our youngest one, Grace, I think she's got her own feelings on it. But there's definitely been a switch in power in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've gone through the loss of a pet before. This is brand new for my wife. She's Mm -hmm. never, Toby was, well, there was a turtle that was in there. But Toby was her first pet that she had. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I've dealt with the pet loss for, yeah. Long time. That's she's never dealt with this before, and I knew going into this a long time ago. I'm like, as soon as we lose one of the cats, this is going to be hell. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I it's it's been kind of rough around here, and I'm sorry to bring do a bummer about this, but that's where my mindset's been for the last uh, 36, 48 hours, something like that. Oh, it's okay. We're only we're only a comedy show. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, the, the one nice thing I will say though is that we went with. Paid a little bit extra money for it, but we went with something called Compassionate Care, where we had a vet come out to our house, mm-hmm. which, gosh, uh, yeah, we didn't have to go in somewhere, and we mm-hmm. didn't have to do the sad walk of shame out of the building. It was wonderful service. The vet we had was absolutely fantastic, very compassionate, very understanding. I mean, that's it was amazing. So, it's moving on. It's dealing with it. My daughter is... Daughter's doing pretty well, actually. That's good, yeah. She had a really tough time the first day we told her this was happening, and then she didn't want to see it actually happen, so she said her goodbyes. Last night was a lot of weeping all around. Mm-hmm. A lot of weeping going to sleep with my wife and my daughter. They shared a, a room both nights just so that they could both cry. Me being a strong, you know, stereotypical man, I was fine by myself. It's much easier to cry by yourself when you're all alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stoically sat in a dark room drinking a whiskey with one single tear rolling down your cheek. Yeah. To yeah. be fair, that the 
Tuesday night, I didn't sleep. I was up with Toby all night long. So, Well, yeah, especially because at work the next day, I'm just like, I'm dreading what's going to happen later on the day. I'm in absolute just wreck of a person. And mm-hmm. I had no sleep. And I had meetings mm-hmm. all day long. And by the uh, last meeting, I'm just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. care. Oh, it's a work thing. This is super important to my life. You know what I get to do when I get off work today? The last meeting I was in, too, was like, hey, uh, we're going to go over the half hour. Can everybody stay? And I'm like, oh, my Lord. So I'm sitting there in this meeting that I don't want to be in anyways, and it's going longer, and I'm kind of complaining to a coworker, and then I get a text from this company. They're like, oh, we had a cancellation. We can come earlier. And I'm like, I have to go now because I need to – we need to get this done. Mm -hmm. We are going to do this now. And so I'm like – Yes, I'm out of this meeting. What am I saying? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do something fun. We need to do something Mm -hmm. fun. Did you want to talk about something or do you want to just dive into... We could talk more about pets we've had that we've loved in the past. Okay, Jeff, why don't you give us a two cents replay instead? (laughs) Let's do that. (laughs) Doom is an insulting house guest, so Ben bounces to a bar, but Reed remains convinced that they need to help Victor because of reasons that Nathaniel and Val haven't told him about yet. So they go to Latveria, blow up a lab, and successfully transfer the missing parts of Doom's brain from Kristoff to him, thereby making him smart and magical again, so that he is able to hold up his end of the bargain that he made with Val, which was for him to help her defeat her father, Reed. Now that the Ben, Sue, and Dragon Man at the bar was possibly the best part of the story that I liked the most, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell me what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Why don't you reach into that bag of yours and pull out some seasonings. What do we got? What do we got? It's a 12-ounce can. It is Shump Nomad Australia. Freshy salt and pepper ghosts. <laughs> Made with seawater. I don't know if that's a selling point or not. So, this is a giant squid, which I've seen one of those in real life in the New Zealand Museum, which was pretty great. Yeah, this is great. This is a silver black label. This is a very cool looking squid with nice golden brown amber eyes. Wrapping it's tentacles, arms, which ones they have, around a surfboard, mm-hmm. a amber gold colored surfboard. And that, yeah, that's a beautiful can. But why, oh why, would I choose something called salt and pepper? Because this group is pushing it real good. No, it's something simpler than that. Because, oh, here is why. Our favorite father of all time, Reed Richards, has salt and pepper hair. Yes, and there are many reeds. This is what happened to all those reeds. That's what it's called. And they're going after a whole bunch of reeds. So I thought, what's a bunch of reeds? It's a bunch of people with salt and pepper hair. There you go. I like it. I made it simple here, man. Salt and pepper. And I figured it out. I could stretch farther, but salt and pepper hair. Done, done, done. You can't stretch as far as reed? Few people can. This beer is a brainchild of Leonardo and Brooks. After a few... Staring at the beautiful ocean and freshwater on Sydney's northern beaches, the ocean mist and its fantastic smell had to be somehow put into a beer. Why not add seawater directly into the beer? And hey, isn't salt what they add to traditional ghosts in Germany? A few months later, here we are at Nomad, adding two buckets of salt water straight from Fressy to a ghost with Nomad Twist and adding our new favorite pepper variety from Tasmania. Ghost is a historical style of beer brewed in the town of Leipzig, Germany. Unfortunately, there are only two traditional breweries still brewing... Ghosts in its own town. Craft beer has often resurrected and given a new life to. Yeah, you can smell the salt water. Yes, you can. You can really smell it because I cracked the can and gave it a whiff and I'm kind of like, that smells salty. 
That yes. smells like salt water. It's 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 a very pale. It's like a hazy IPA pale. Nice and bubble, flat head on it. But bubbles are coming up, yeah. Man, that smells like a bucket of salt water. It really does. But you know what? I like. I don't know yet. I'm honestly I'm a little nervous to try it, but I'm going try to try it. I'm going to. I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be like saltwater taffy in mm. beer form without the taffy. I wouldn't call it saltwater taffy. I would call it a bit of salt water. <laughs> That's salt water. <laughs> I would call it a bit of salt water. How did you drink it, man? You're supposed to sip it. That's interesting. It, I'm getting the salt water. The pepper does not come through as much as I thought it would. I kind of would like a little more kick on the pepper. I can taste yeah. it in there, but it's a little bubbly. You're getting that carbonation. It's very reminiscent of salt water, but yes. it, it's not bad. I kind of like it's it. It's a pleasant saltwater beverage. The pepper is really mild and it's really on the back end of the flavor profile, I think. A ghost is not my favorite type of beer, but I like them. They're fine. Here is a ritual of mine when I go to the ocean. So I go to Cannon Beach or something and I walk up to the surf and I put a finger into the ocean and I put a drop of salt water on my tongue. It's a thing I've done for years. I don't know why. It just is. It it makes it real that I've gone to the ocean. I've touched the ocean. Oh, how ex- how exotic and exciting. A lot of very similarities in this. Probably less sandy. Less sandy. Yeah, less sandy. 4.5 ABV. So, I mean, you can drink the salt water all day long, man. Mm-hmm. This is great. Salt water has your blood salt lever in it, level in it. So, I'll just replace my beer with my blood with this beer. That ought to work, mm, right? Yeah. I mean, mm. it's not bad. It's... Mm, it's mm-mm. Mm. No, it's not bad at all. It is just an interesting flavor. Mm. I had a friend's grandpa used to put salt in beer. He'd salt okay. his beer. And I think he'd do that because the nucleation sites would make it bubbly. There was a, a period of time where I'd salt my beer as well, which people always thought was weird. And we were like, your beer tastes too salty. And it's like super weird. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's a thing I got from a friend's grandpa. This is a sweeter version of that. I don't know what it is, but it is. This is neat. This is unique. This is what I'm going to say, Jeff. Mm-hmm. This explains a lot about you, the fact that you salt your beer. And now I used understand to. that about you. And this, For a period this, of time. Yeah, but it has affected you. It has changed you. This explains exactly who you are today. Mm-hmm. You, as a young man, salted your beer, and this is what we got. So and here we are. Full okay. circle. Now I'm an Jeff, old man with salted beer. Can you please give us the opening credits, you salty, salty man, you? Arr, I'll do whatever I want. That's, I guess that's salty sounding. FF, issue number three, July 2011. Whatever happened to all those reads? Credits. Writer. Jonathan Hickman. Penciler, Steve Epting. Inkers, Rick Magyar. Butch Guise, Steve Epting. Colorist, Paul Mounts. Letterer, Clayton Cowles. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Featuring The Future Foundation with Mr. Fantastic, The Invisible Woman, The Thing, Spider-Man, and Doctor Doom. Also, we have The Future Foundation with Franklin, Valeria, Dragon Man, Mick, Tor, Turg, Tong, Leech, Bentley, Alex Powers, and Nathaniel Richards. Okay, Rick, let me get this straight. Val Richards has made a deal with Dr. Doom that if she got her family and the Brain Gang to fix the not-so-good Doctor's gray matter, then she gets a boon, a favor, a marker. Correctamundo. And now that she has this boon, this favor, this marker, she has called it in immediately and is using it so that Doom will help her destroy her father, Reed Richards? This is the track the train is on. And now it looks like everyone is on board with this? Yo, it's Reed Richards. I really expected that they were having trouble finding anyone that does not see a problem with this. <laughs> All right, let's see what happens next. As four separate teams take off for four mini-missions from the Baxter building, Nathaniel, Val, Reed, and Doom walk. 
watch. And Doom says threatening words to Reed about how they will all return soon. And when they do, that they will surely bring Reed's Doom with them. <laughs> this all seems to be tracking, but I'm really curious about these mini-missions. Let's dig into those, can we? Sure. Who are we starting off with? The High Evolutionary. Ugh. This guy. Yeah, he is returned back to Earth because his ThinkQ app informed him that the Ascension engine he built and left when he thought it did not work was still running and may have completed its purpose. And now with the Thing standing in front of him with four Moloids from the Future Foundation, four individuals who have superior intellect as a result of the machine, the big brain on High Evolutionary is kind of surprised. The subdued joy of the High Evolutionary causes the Moloids to be pleased that he is pleased, and they bless him and they bless the Ben. All in all, this is way too creepy and uncomfortable for me and the thing. So Ben just gives the pink-armored creep a letter. Next, we visit Rubido, the so-secret base of Diablo that no writer or artist at Marvel has ever found it again. Wait, Diablo... We've not talked about him before, have we? No, but I have specific memories about this guy. Esteban Carrasan Diablo, a 9th century nobleman. He pursued immortality because, well, it was the 9th century and there was nothing on TV. He has a large, thin mustache, and he was bored. Dude made a deal with Mephisto for his soul, got an elixir, and started to do evil stuff throughout time. He came across the FF in the 1960s, and he's been an annoyance ever since then. So he's into alchemy and potions. And mustache twirling. Hmm, okay. Well, he also seems to know Baby, which he calls Dragon Man, since he is informal with the android as he and Alex Power delivered the letter to Diablo. Yeah, it was Diablo that used powers to somehow grant artificial life to the big guy. Of course, it was so he could use the giant dragon to attack the Fantastic Four. I mean, he's not stupid. <laughs> hey, everybody needs a hobby. That happens to be his. We should point out that while Baby and Diablo are catching up, Alex is shooing away little red demons that seem to be hanging out with Diablo. Nice. Thanks for being in this panel, Alex. You are doing your family proud by being a deputized Pony Express writer. Next up, Lower Amduat, where the mad thinker is doing some thinking. Madly. Him and one of his awesome androids raid a visit from Spider-Man, Franklin, and Leech. Now, to be fair, Spidey is dealing with Mr. Wackadoodle while the kids are using the android as a climbing gym. The thinker is trying to figure out the hows and whys of this letter, and if it is a trap, and if he should go, and what it would mean, and that he should stay home, and would have stayed home if that arachnid fellow hadn't just baited him at going by mocking his lapsed personal habits, which had become backseat to all the thinking he has been doing, and oh, no, he forgot to wear underwear again, and his mother's birthday just passed. And, let's and, just move and, on from Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, as he has also accepted the letter. And let's check out the secret aim base, where the wizard and his two the aim flunkies are chatting about the security of the island. My guess is that their security on the island is... bad. Why would you say that? Well... First of all, Steve Epting managed to draw it in fantastic detail, and second, Sue Richards and Bentley turn visible in the room where the discussion is taking place about how great their security is. Good points! It appears that the FF have known where he was the whole time, but they have just left him alone because, <laughs> meh. He's the wizard. What's he going to do? Float menacingly at them? What is fun is the interaction between the wizard and the 23. Bentley tells his dorky doofus deadbeat dad that his name is not 23. His name is Bentley. He earned it. And then Sue turns the conversation to the matter at hand. The letter. And we finally get to see it. <clears throat> 
Your presence is requested at the symposium on Conquering the Mont Fantastics, How to Finally Defeat Reed Richards, hosted by Victor Von Doom, to be held at the Baxter Building two days hence. Q&A to follow the main presentation, BYOB. Huh. Two days later... It is time for the round table at the round table. Val and Nathaniel are joined by the High Evolutionary, the Mad Thinker, the two AIM dudes, the Wizard, and Diablo. Doom is welcoming everyone with Reed at his side. Well, good golly, Miss Molly. Reed does drop a warning, though. This is serious, and Val, his toddler daughter, says it is necessary, but... And it is a big butt. Teehee! Grow up. The Avengers are on standby and will crush this group if anything gets out of hand. Now that the legal liability statement has been read, let us get down to the brass thermonuclear attacks of the Sitch. Um, before Val can start explaining the what's of the what, Watu the Watcher shows up. Well, insert bad words that we can't say here because of the format that we have derived. Yeah, even Reed is worried now. What has Val done? Let us tell you a story. A while back, when Reed was messing with that interdimensional gate and meeting the Council of Other Reeds, Val decided to open the gate up and check it out. This was just after an incursion came and wrecked the dimension the Reeds were in, and they were looking for a way to save themselves. Do you see where this is going? I do, and that's that Val led the dimensional dads through the gate to the old 616, just as the Celestial showed up in the other dimension. So now she has a flock of alt-dimension Reeds. The first thing they do is a standard Star Trek planetary reading, followed by mocking 616 Reed on his foolish priorities. Next, they refocus and try to develop new plans for stopping the death of worlds. High-tech Reed starts to list off potential sites that have components they could use to build something big and bad. And with that, they say goodbye to Val and walk off to cause their own mischief. Okay, and what exactly did those reeds do then? Well, one of them went to the peak where old Atlantis is. He met with three of the old Atlanteans, one from each of the races. Then, with the help of the other two Atlanteans, Reed stabs the Uhari one in the back of the head with a sciencey thing that shows memories. I need something like that for the test back in high school. Uh, you might want to rethink that, Rick, as it kills the person that it is used on. Details, details, man. The scene shows that the Uhari are plotting against the other great houses. Ooh, intrigue. Yeah, this Reed is sewing it and these other two guys are reaping it. And Reed is willing to help them deal with this problem, hm, for a price, which cannot be good for those old Atlanteans. Let's check in on another Reed, the one I call Cyclops Reed because of his awesome shades. He's checking out the Forever City. That is the place that the High Evolutionary set up with the Extension Engine to quickly evolve those who stepped into the city. Oh, that place. I heard it went downhill when they got a new chef. Lost a Michelin star and everything. Anyway, Cyclops Reed is admiring the city and chatting with Mole Man. Now, Mole has a gripe. His moloids keep going into that city. It makes them smart, and they stop following him. He wants it to stop. He wants his people back, and he will whine if it doesn't work out the way that he wants. Cyclops Reed is interested in bargaining with this guy, wondering what the tricksy man of moles has in his nasty little pockets. Now let's check out the blue area of the moon where Professor X Reed, because he's bald, pompous, and sits in a floating chair, is chatting with the Universal Inhumans. Ah, yes, the Universal Inhumans. <laughs> Remind me who they are. This is the ruling council of four colonies of non-human Inhumans. The Krees tried to kill them, and they set up shop here, the queens of which all became the brides of Black Bolt. Ah, ah, ah. Ulu Undanta of the Incentarians, this is the race that Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy belongs to. Aldi Koek of the Badoon. 
Avo of the Wraith, and Unamai Whitemane of the Chimelians. Hey, I know that horse face. Nice to see some Power Pack-esque representation. So this reed is offering a deal as well. In exchange for something, they want all the access to a small portion of the blue area of the moon for, ahem, archaeological endeavors. Oh, and they want a 55% share of all concession profits from the blue area gift shops. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Well, the queen of the Incentarians has her lead telepath come over to provide some input. Liar! Liar! Pants on! <clears throat> Wheelchair on fire! Ooh, sorry about that, bald reed, but they're gonna have to turn you down with prejudice. What kind of prejudice? The extreme kind. The chameleon uses her powers to rip apart the hover chair, and the wraith, um, <clears throat> how do we describe this? Sticks her tongue straw into his brain melon and melts him out of existence. But they discover that the other reeds pose a real danger to them, as brain straws also seem to suck up memories as well. Now let's check in with the cult of the negative zone. You know those dudes who worship Annihilus? Well, apparently they got a visit from the Infinity Gauntlet Reed. Maybe let's call him Michael Jackson Reed. He is there to have a chat with Annihilus. The priest allows this MJ Reed to use the interdimensional hologram phone thingy to have a word with his lord and master. The gloved one explains he is from another universe and needs to use the negative zone. He's gonna have to open up a big hole and wants to know if that is cool. Sure, if MJ Reed will leave it open for Annihilus' armies to use. MJ Reed says that he has no problem with that at all. I do not know if I should believe these two, or <laughs> really believe these two. Okay, that was all in the past. Now we meet up with the remaining Reeds who are looking at some construction they are building. They are bummed that Wheelie is missing, but they have found a workaround for his unapproved use of PTO. Good. Well, I guess it is time to sacrifice the 616 for the greater good. Let's start a war. Yep. Okay. The only way to start a war is if you actually wrap it up in a cover and present it to people. And that's what we're going to do right now. We are, well, actually, we aren't going to. We're going to describe the cover that got made for this issue, and we're going to go with that. Mm -hmm. that, that's our plan. So we have a pretty cool cover here. We have a cover that fits, I think. We have the one, the only stretchy Reed that we know and love, and he's kind of like stretching up from this mob, and he's going, ah, with a yelling face. And down below in this blue highlight, we have a council of reeds. We have a bunch of reeds down there. I think we've got one that's kind of like a deathlock reed. We've got a, looks like a scaled up reed with a beard. We've got a, a reed with a gigantic brain. I don't know, who's your favorite reed down in that mob? You know, I am a sucker for business suit reed just because it's just so generic of all these other people trying to distinguish themselves. He's just wearing a suit and a tie and he's just like, yeah, that's me. I'm reed. I'm really kind of digging the one above it, which I'm going to call barbarian wizard reed with a bald head and a scraggly beard and what looks like armor and stuff, which is kind of funny because he's like, to me, he looks like he might be a sorcerer or magician reed. I like the star brand reed. That's kind of a deep pull right there. Yeah, that is. That's really kind of neat. There's... There's good stuff. Yeah. I do like the aspect of the Council of Reeds where you can just, what do you want them to be? You want them to be Professor X? Go for it. You want them to have a, a fusion reactor venting out of his back? I don't care. Go for it. One that's got a future brain read? I don't care. Yeah, have have your big old grape head. This, of course, is done again by Daniel Acuna, who's been doing all these FF covers. And I like this one. I, I like the fact that it's very much tied into what this is. It's Reed dealing with the Council of the Reeds. And mm, 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 this is where we're at. 
Yeah, what's kind of neat about it too is that they're not all stretchy man. They're all they're all their own thing, baby. From adventurers to infinity gauntlets to technology to whatever it is. They're all doing the same thing too. They're running away from the bad in the universe. We've got these bad guy reads. Well, they're not bad guys. They are just, they've got a purpose that they're doing. They've got something that they're actually running and trying to accomplish. They are trying to do the greater good, but they're willing to sacrifice things to do that because they know that things have cost. Which means that they are very big picture reads and not small picture at all, considering... They're like, they're willing to sacrifice the 616 to be able to move on to getting back to doing big things for other other things. They're like, okay, yeah, if the cost is this universe, that's fine because we can help thousands of other universes. So losing one is a small de- small price to pay for all the, the billions of other ones we can do. Yeah. And we've actually, I, I, you probably haven't, but I know I read some of the past stuff that has gone on in this Hickman run where he really introduced these reads. Reed had an opportunity to get involved with them. So these are the reads that are remaining. The rest of them were destroyed in that incursion and Val kind of saved them. These are the reads we have left over. These are the remnants of the reads. I knew that there was a council of reads and I hadn't read anything about them in their full force or even in their smaller force. I had very familiar with the what it was he called the leader not the leader the the maker that's what it is yeah i'm much more familiar with him in fact because i read some current got dropped after five future foundations where he was an important part of that so we'll be seeing him again in the future on our show yeah, some point in time we'll get there having the reads in here is very cool and having and we'll get into this more in the next book, as they start to talk about the problem more, as they start to figure out, okay, what are we going to do about these reads and how they are the real problems that we see of them. But you can tell that they've all got their own special talents. Like we said, you can tell that they've all got their own pieces that they're trying to do, but they have one common goal and they're working together, which makes them Mm -hmm. even more terrifying. Yeah. And they call each other (laughs) brother as well. Well, you you have to make these concessions. You have to figure out Mm -hmm. how we're going to talk about things. Here you go. My job is working on, projects. I work on a giant project at work. I'm developing paid leave Oregon. And the number one thing about a giant project like that is you need to, as part of the creation of it, you need to define terms and you need to have on a very basic level, what are we going to call things? This is the the thing that's going to happen. This is going to be an object that we are going to be interacting with in order to serve customers. We need to call it something. We need to name it something. We've got a bunch of reads here. How are we going to refer to each other? We are moving past the problem that we are the same entity existing in different realities. Okay, we are moving beyond that. What are we calling ourselves? And developing that common language so that they can work more efficiently. And that's what they do. This is what Reed does. He works efficiently. He tries to build things. He tries to solve problems. And now you got a bunch of them working together. So ego is going to come into this, of course. But if you've got a goal that you're working towards, then you make these decisions early on. So you don't Mm -hmm. have the problems later on. I'm not sure. Is Infinity Gauntlet Reed the one that's in charge of this? Because it kind of seems like he is. I want to say that they work together. I think okay. that depending upon the project, who's got the the experience, because when they show up, they're kind of like, okay, what's the problem here? Where are we at? How are we going to solve this? And they come up with a solution together. And they're very collaborative in their thinking. As a project comes up, okay, who is the most knowledgeable about this? They're the person in charge of doing this. Mm-hmm. Just because I know in the comic, they came through the portal and Infinity Outlet Read was all like, 
okay, give me information. What? Give me something to work with. And then people start like, oh, there's this and then this and this is over here. And he's like, oh, okay. So that's his gift right there. He's able to just like, okay, we're in crisis mode. I'm going to be the one taking care of the crisis issue. Speaking of crisis on the other side, we are developing the villains. You are Reed Richards. You've got a problem. Doom's here to help you out. You are developing your own fellowship of evil. Yeah. <laughs> this is the group you got together. Is this the best or weirdest? Weird group. It's not a bad group, but it's weird. And it's interesting that you would go for villains instead of heroes. But also I can understand that heroes may not be willing to go to the extremes or see the things that an evil group of reeds would be willing to do. So you need people a little bit more twisted who might be not so much outthink them, but side-think them. I'm guessing that you've not read the next issue yet. Not yet, no. That's good, because I have, and I am very impressed with how you're thinking about it, because that's what he's doing here. He's getting these reads together to, or he's getting these villains together to think about how to defeat him. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't need heroes who know how to be friends with him. He needs right. people who are going to make those choices. And so this is the group he's got together. And who are actively not trying to, like, redeem or anything. They're just like, literally, hey, how can we defeat him? How can we crush him? How could we enact our revenge on these proxies for this man who we do? Do not like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got people that we know. We've we've talked a little bit about Mad Thinker. I know that when we covered New Warriors, we talked about Mad Thinker a little bit. He was kind of instrumental in putting together the I, – I think we talked about him. But yeah, he was. He, yeah, we talked about him in New Warriors. We've talked about him in a one of Bogdanov's last runs. That's uh, true. That's true. Because he was he made the dinosaurs and it was a simulacrum of the mm -hmm. Mad Thinker. Oh well, uh, yeah. Um, and then we have already touched on Aim and the Wizard. He popped up earlier on. We've also talked a little bit about the High Evolutionary and how much I hate him. I find him boring. <laughs> Diablo is the one who is kind of the the new one for here. Going back in time to my first comic books I grabbed, the first two comic books that I bought, my mom gave me some money. We're at a convenience store. There's a spinner rack over there. Grab a couple of comic books. Me not know comic books at the time. Me just grab whatever we, we knew. The things I knew back then were Incredible Hulk and Fantastic Four. So I grabbed an issue of Incredible Hulk. Happened to be guest starring X-Factor. Enough said. The issue of Fantastic Four didn't really interest me too much, but I do remember it. Crystal was on the team at that point in time with Ben and Johnny and Miss Marvel. And I think that's right. I, that feels right. They were fighting Diablo at the point at that time. And Diablo was, they just fought him. He had been wrecked by the thing. And like all of his bones were broken. And he was in a hospital and he like was able to get his mustache in his mouth and suck on his mustache where he had this recuperative potion on it and he was all fine <laughs> and they went off to do some bad things against Fanta or this fantastic form i would be eating that restorative potion all the time since my beard well since my mustache is in my mouth like 90 percent of the day <laughs> you are a salty gross man sir a salty gross yeah, man anyways well, I, yeah diablo is one of those villains that fantastic four has had forever and so have you run across him at all i have seen him in other stuff he is perpetually a character that i'm like what is what's this dude do again he's got potions and immortality and he's evil but i literally he fades away into the memory vault all the time and i, I acknowledge him now but he literally was a character that just like who the heck's this guy it's diablo he does potions and stuff oh yeah 
But what does he do? <laughs> I will say this. Having him be in here as part of the ma- magician part or any magic that can come up. Okay, fine. You've got the wizard who's got who understands technology. He builds things. You've got the mad thinker. Again, he's he he's a mad thinker. I mean, it's in the name. High evolutionary. He's looks at a lot of the future stuff. He he's very much that mold. So you've got an interesting mix here of people that can provide some interesting things. I think it's kind of a cool group. I think it's mm-hmm. interesting. I could see it falling apart so very fast. Yeah, perpetually. but I, I, but it is it is an interesting group. It is an interesting choice of people, and it's an interesting fight that we got here too. It's mm-hmm. an interesting problem that that that's being proposed. We have these reeds who are doing some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a serial. Oops, all reeds. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the final thoughts. I think we can kind of talk through some more stuff here as we go through it. Jeff, let's talk about some gallery of greatness. We've got this nifty round table room where we put all these villains and we're talking about things and the walls are bare. We need to put some artwork up to really get the juices thinking about the problem that Reed and Doom are putting up with these people. So back up. Let's talk about some joke ones here, my friend. Backup mm-hmm. joke ones. Mm-hmm. What do you got? My backup joke one is on Marvel Unlimited, page five, and I call it Shoe Fly Don't Bother Me. And this is when Baby and Alex are delivering a letter to Diablo, that character we were just talking about, and Alex is literally shooing away little homunculi, little imps, little flying devil creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one page where we got Alex, nice. The one panel we got Alex, fantastic. We got him here. Good job. I would like to move your attention to one panel to the side. And I'm going to tell you about my top joke one since we're on the page and we're right there. And I'm going to call this one a Diablo mansplaining. I thought about doing a manspread <laughs> joke on that. I really did. I really, really did. It's Diablo leaning back. He's sitting on this stump and he's just, there's all these uh, limbs around him. And he's using them as his chair and he's leaned back and he is just just disparaging these people who are coming to visit him and his little imps are flying all around and he is spreading for all he is <laughs> worth. Dear me, oh my, wow. Thank you oh me, for oh playing. Oh my, oh man spreader. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my top joke one. What do you have as your top joke one? I'll get to my backup one in a little bit here. Okay, mine is on the next page for me, which is page six, and I call it Awesome Jungle Gym. Ah, and this okay. is Leech and Franklin using an awesome android as a jungle gym, just climbing around on it while it just stands there blankly. It just made me laugh because I've had a lot of kids use me as a jungle gym. And I love when they do this with in, in Marvel. I've always loved it when like Katie just uses the thing as a jungle gym. It's like they find the biggest person they can find. And it's just like, we're kid characters. We're climbing on you. And it just does. We now know the reason why they do that to you, though. You are a salt lick. And so they are ju- they are climbing all over uh, you and licking you like deer lick a salt lick. That would explain a lot, yes. <laughs> yeah. The restraining orders, for starters. For, for <laughs> and seconds and thirders. So I would like to talk a little bit about my backup joke one. And this is, this is where we have Professor X Reed going and talking to the Inhumans. And it fails badly for him. And his brain becomes a milkshake. So he is now milkshake mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. And I found it funny in a grotesque, <laughs> horrible <laughs> way. Yes. <laughs> milkshake oh, brain. Oh, I know the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, My milk brain brings all the bugs to the yard. <laughs> all right. Tell me about some good art that you found in this book. What do you have for your backup? My 
backup is on page 21, and I call it windscreen bug. And this is after Infinity Gauntlet Reed has gone to the Cult of Zero to uh, go, hey, yeah, I know who you are, and I'm not the person you think I am. I want to talk to your boss. And so they get on the holophone, and hey, hey, who's he going to talk to? It's Annihilus. And it's just great because there's a giant green projection of Annihilus's head and torso talking to Reed, and he's all, speak, Richards. But I'm like, yeah, that looks cool. That's a good Annihilus. That's really nice. So I like it. Nice, 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 nice. I would like to go back to, to my page where I've got the milkshake read. And at the bottom panel, that's actually two pages before yours, but the bottom panel, I've got the queens, and it's the four queens looking down at the remains of Professor X read. And I think it's pretty cool. They look bad, and they mm-hmm. are just ready to not be messed with at all. Don't mm-hmm. come here and bring it to the queens. No, no, no. No, no, no. I like it. It's a good one. It's a yeah. real good one. What do you have as your top one? My top one is on page 10. We matching. <laughs> and I call it Pretend I'm Not Here. I call it <laughs> <laughs> This is the four-fifths flash page of when Val starts to tell the Fellowship of the Reeds or the Fellowship of the Anti-Reeds about to tell them about the story of like why they wanted all the villains to get together. And then Watu pops up, and Watu's just visible in the background of the room, and everybody's looking at him like, That's Oh, Watu. No. Oh, <laughs> this cannot be good. And that kind of stops the conversation flat. Yeah, yeah. We know. If you know, you know. <laughs> Let's talk about rubber and glue moments. What was the best or most childish insult in this book? Jeff. Have you decided to come home, little prodigal? Oh, that's a nice one. I didn't pull that, but that's a good one. That was the wizard talking to the Bentley about, why are you here? You're here to come home? You're here to be part of my brood again? Bentley's (laughs) like, nope, don't think so. (laughs) So, yeah, I I like that one. I just like the little prodigal. Just just a little dig by the wizard. What do you got, my friend? Mine is when Spider-Man is talking to the Mad Thinker and the Mad Thinker's, you know. That's my top one. (laughs) Oh, it's good, but going on the diatribe, yeah, but it was just the Mad Thinker's like, what do you think I should do? Quick, don't think about it. Just tell me your thoughts right now. What should I do? And Spidey's all, oh, I would prefer that you stay home. Maybe take a bath. Maybe brush your teeth. That's it. That's it. I accept the invitation. <laughs> yeah, of course I you do. I love that. I love, <laughs> I am going to insult all of the things I dislike about you right here. <laughs> no, I like that one a lot. I, that was my top one. I, I couldn't, I couldn't put that one down. What do you have as your top one? My top one is when the Council of Reeds is talking. You know, they've just gone through the portal that Val discovered that her dad made that she's like, yeah, I I found the portal that you shouldn't have made, that you weren't supposed to make, that you made. I I opened it. And you have these Reeds that have escaped to the 616. And they're like, okay, what's going on here? And Tech Reed or Cyclops Reed is all looking and it's like, oh, there's standard Earth. It's this. It doesn't really have any high-tech energy sources or anything. And he's like, God, Reed, what have you been wasting all your time on? 
At which point, Professor X Reed is family picnics, I'm guessing, while he looks at Val. Yeah. <laughs> I, the only reason I didn't really take that one is because Reed wasn't there to take the punch. That's the only reason I didn't. But acceptable, acceptable, acceptable. Speaking of Reeds, which is a word we have said a lot in this issue, Parent of the Year Award, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. I am going to just hand that right over to Reed himself, because you know what is good parenting? Not what Reed did in this issue. Reed, in an effort of bad parenting, sent his kids out. The kids he is in charge of taking care of, he sent them out to talk to his enemies. Nice. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, that's a good choice. I'm all for that. I'm like, no, that's not good parenting, okay? Okay. (laughs) What do you got? I am going, because uh, I know on this one we can go either actual good parenting or actual bad parenting, and we're going to both pick bad parenting this time. My bad parenting award is going to Mole Man. I'm going to complain to this murderous stranger to do stuff for me because my kids, my charges, the people that are dumb, that are under me, that serve me, are going into that city, going into that high, fancy, finangled university school, that public school system, and learning stuff and getting smart and leaving me. I don't want that. I want him dumb and compliant. He's the ruler. Standard thing of the royalty is the parents and the people are their children, and you take care of them. And he doesn't want any growth in his children. He doesn't want these molides learning or leaving or doing anything he doesn't approve of. He just wants to rule them. And I thought that I'm like, that is terrible parenting mole man. I would say that that is a bad parenting. All right. We got that out of the way. The award has been given. Now we just need to figure out who we are going to say is really popular and who's really shunned. So which character has the best and who is the worst in this issue? Who is the worst for you, my friend? Val. Samies. Samies. Is it because if something you've done means that Watu's showing up? <laughs> yeah. You done messed up, kid. <laughs> Watu's here. You made bad choices bringing over the reeds and kicking this thing off. You have made bad choices. And didn't tell her dad about it in any kind of timely fashion. Yeah, she didn't do it. It was an accident. It was a whoopsie. Yeah, it was a whoopsie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watu's here. (laughs) Watu. Let's see, who do we have as our best? (laughs) Who do we have as our best? I've got Bentley. Oh, interesting. I like that. That's an excellent choice. He stood up to the wizard. He stood up to the wizard. He stood up to the wizard and was like, nope, nope, nope. I saw what you bring to the table and it is subpar to what I'm getting on my side. They may not be evil, but they are better than you. So I appreciated Bentley just looking his dad in the eye and saying, nah, we don't got this no more. We ain't this. So I, I gave him I gave him some props for that. What do you got? Okay. I, I really like that choice. That is an excellent choice, and I want to rethink mine, but I've already chosen. I'm going for original flavor Reed. This is, I think, possibly the first time. Yeah. He's trusting his family. He's trusting his daughter. He's trusting his father to be guiding him in the right way, even though he's like, I do not like this, and I could, but I can get in my own way on a lot. I'm going to trust my family in the decisions they're making. And follow through on that. But also, if these cats step out of line, they're getting swatted. I'm letting them know. It's like, yeah, hi, we're having a little symposium. This is nothing but a thought experiment. If I think it's one inch out of thought experiment, I am calling the Avengers. I am, you know, it's like, there are teams 
that you know that are on standby waiting for me to go, uh, please come over. I need an adult. <laughs> so I liked him for that. I like that. I, I can go with that one completely, too. I, I did a good job this time. He did a good job. All right. Let's go ahead and rank this bad boy. Top grades. We need to put this up against the other issues with a member of Power Pack in them. Starting off, of course, with Month of Morning from Fantastic Four 588. Memorial and Funeral for Johnny Storm. Spot number 11. Loners, number four. Julie becomes an actress for a hot second. Number 19, Runaways, number four. This is where the kids try to figure out who's Vic's daddy is. Spot number 27, Amazing Spider-Man 660, The Fight with the Pirates, and Sinister Six, Ocean 11-ing all over the place. And we still have the bottom. Loners, number three, What Lies Beneath. It's a good one. I like this one. FF number one is on spot 16. FF number two is at spot number 29. Big little break between those ones. I like this better than Doom Nation. We're moving the plot along. There's a lot moving parts in here. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot to chew on. The art is fantastic in it. I really enjoyed this one. This is a really good issue. I do like this quite a little bit. I'm I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out where it's going to go. Congratulations, Mr. Grimm. You're handsome again. Spot number eight. Mm -hmm. That one's pretty good. That's Fantastic Four 584. That's a good one. Do we like this more or less than that one? I think I like this better than Johnny going solo in Loners number two. Ooh. Looking at Kings of Atlantis where Namor commits regicide, Reed Carpels with Galactus. There's a lot of going on in that one. I think that is more about where it's at. I think it's above or below that one. I could see that. That's on spot number six. Hmm. Let me me recall that one. I kind of think... That Kings of Atlantis has a little bit more going on with this. I feel like I enjoyed this one a little bit more, but I think Kings of Atlantis had more going on with it. So I think that Kings of Atlantis is a better issue. Okay, we'll make this one the new number seven then. All right. All right. All right. All right. That brings us to a beer. We are drinking Nomad Freshy Salt and Pepper Ghosts. Drinking some seawater and talking about some reeds. Drinking some salt. It is salty. I have a little uh, a little tear in a lip. I'm, I'm like, I drink it. I'm like, ooh, that stings a little bit. There's some salt in here. <laughs> I'm feeling a little thirsty for drinking it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> the flavor has not changed. Mm. It is exactly the beer that it was when we started. It is yeah. interesting. I like it. I do not love it. Okay. I do not think I would sit, because I can drink beer by, you know, just like, hmm, I have a how many pack? Crack it open, drink it. Crack it open, drink it. Crack it open, drink it. I think I would want to be done with one on this one. Okay. Just with the salt and stuff. Uh, I'm going to give it a three, five. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I think I like it more than you, but I think I'm still in that area of three, five here. It's enjoyable. It's interesting. I don't mind that I drank it. I think it's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel bad for drinking it. I don't fault it or anything. I'm not like, well, this is a... Eh, I'm glad that's gone forever. It is interesting. I would introduce this to people. I don't think I would drink it in bulk. But a thing that I would like to consume in bulk is kids' perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. 
Hello, Day. So, we are back to talk about another FF issue, correct? Yep. And what's going on in this issue? They're kind of preparing for Reed to be defeated. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> Who are they trying to defeat? Reed. Are they trying to defeat Reed or Reeds? I guess Reed. Who are the reeds that they're trying to defeat? The other multiverse ones, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And who are they going to defeat them with? Bunch of other villains. <laughs> <laughs> Which villain do you like the most? I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Doom. Most okay. of them. I don't know why. It's, it's just well because Doom's powerful and yeah, uh, he, he will crush you. He will crush you if you don't like him. Yeah. What do you think about this overall thing? It looks like the Reeds have a whole bunch of plans, correct? Yeah. They want to start a war. Yeah, they want to start a war, and they're they're setting up a whole bunch of different plans, and they're trying to get things done. It's a whole lot of a lot, isn't it? Uh huh. Did you enjoy this book? Yeah. I mean, it was mostly just them handing out a bunch of invitation letters <laughs> to, the, <laughs> to the villains. but And finding out a little bit about what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Whitey was in here. It's not Whitey. It's actually another chameleon. Oh. Yeah, it, it's another chameleon. It's a queen who is kind of a chameleon in human. That's a whole deep, dark thing that I'm not going to explain right now, but it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It is a chameleon, and they are a white mane. So there is a little bit of power pack connection there, too. Nice catch. Mm -hmm. And you saw where Alex was in this, right? Yeah, like one panel. <laughs> what was Alex's mission? Who did he have to go see? I had to go see the guy who made Dragon Man. Yeah, his name is Diablo. Diablo? Diablo. Diablo. Yeah, he's really old, and he does alchemy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any questions about this book? Uh, not really. I don't think. Is there any panels or pages that you really thought were really cool? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still enjoying reading these books? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm asking your opinion on them, and I just want to see if you as a kid will enjoy reading them. So, just making sure. Mm -hmm. All right. If you don't have any other questions, if you don't have any other things you want to talk about, then I will let you go. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Bye. Love you. I love you. Hmm, Carrie, who else would I want on my super team of people to defeat somebody? I'm thinking the Hamburglar. Shout out time! We like to thank those wonderful listeners who take the time to write or leave us a review or just give us a like on the good old Twitter or Facebook or whatever. This is for episode 128 where we cover the amazing Spider-Man 660 Fantastic Voyage Part 2. Two. Charles Gears. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Limax 7. Mal. Max Traver and his podcast, The Weird Warriors. Tim Price, the podcrasher and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles and his show, Waffles and Mates Talk About Things. And he says, a truly fantastic episode. And Dr. Octopus isn't just paying me to say that. This isn't a ruse to break into your studio and steal stuff. Keep up the great work. We also like to thank those fantastic people that give us a buck or two on Patreon. If you would like to join that and give us a little bit of money to help us do our show, we would appreciate it. We've also got over 50 episodes that you can listen to of additional comics that we have covered. And you can also be like people like Adorably Astonishing and Amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully Cheeky and Charming Char Logan. Challenging Cheesy and Chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and Devastatingly Delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically Dangerous and Devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, Interesting, and Innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, Joking, and Jovial Jeff Polier. And I would also like to say a thank you to Jeff Polier for giving us... On his birthday, each of us now has a set of our own Heroclix figures of the Power Pack. 
all six of the Power Pack related Heroclix figures. It's really cool. Thank you very much, Jeff Bullier. Yeah, that was super cool. Rick dropped those by and I was like, ooh, neat. I never thought I'd see those in real life. And that is amazing and super cool. And I've been playing made up games with them with my daughter. She's been like, oh, I like these. And I'm, Let's play a game. And then she makes up rules where she wins because that's how kids work. <laughs> but moving back on to our amazing patrons. Just Jealous and Jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly Mighty and Meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and Magnificent Monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely Salty and Steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and Sickeningly Silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically Terrifying and Tame Tim Price. Way Way Wordy and Wobbly Waffles. Weird and Wonderfully Wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to cover FF Volume 1, Number 4, The Beating of Drums. Be sure to check out the other show that I sometimes do, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbacks Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a lot of sugar ants. Ugh. In Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review our show wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Energy 2013 by Sasha End. All music is founded at coptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by attribution 4.0 license. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent investors. Nope. Pop. No, don't take this serious. It's like, yeah, meeting, I need to leave because between given the choice of staying in this meeting or killing a loved one, I'm picking killing a loved one. Pretty much. Bye till tomorrow. But I, I was also sitting there at work because I was doing my work from home for my computer, and I had Toby in mm, a little hanging out with you tray. The whole, I had her yeah. in a tray right next to my desk, and I was just petting her the entire day. And I'm like, yeah, you gotta let's you, be funny you, now. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> let's spin it around. Mm-hmm. You know, Casey Kasem did a thing once with callouts. Read the just- script, you <laughs> heartless person. <laughs> It's a clear day, but there really should be thunder and lightning cracking in the background there, and a horse whinnying, and and I don't know, birds falling dead from the sky. Only if Frau Blucher's name is so is said. <laughs> Frankenstein. <clears throat> Pop. Okay. <clears throat> also, <clears throat> damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm doing the same. <clears throat> I think it's the pepper in the beer. No, it's for uh, you know working out for an hour. Oh, mine is for not working out for uh, twenty years. Pop. A while back, when Reed was messing with that interdimensional gate, 